The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or, if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, hello, and welcome to the series premiere, season one, episode one of the Hockey Hotbed. I am your host, Nick Berlansky, and I am pleased to have you tuning in here to our first ever episode, and we have a great one for you. Of course, we're starting things out hot with Chase Crawshaw of the Bolts broadcast. Chase covers the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Hockey Podcast Network, and we had a fantastic discussion about the Lightning, their road to two Stanley Cups, and the odds that they can do what nobody has done since the 1980 to 1982 New York Islanders, and that is three-peat, win three Stanley Cups in a row. So we will have that discussion, and then following that, we will have my first ever power rankings here on the Hockey Hotbed, the preseason power rankings for the 2021-22 NHL season. So let's get it all started right now and send it to my interview with Chase Crawshaw. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed Podcast, the inaugural episode of the Hockey Hotbed Podcast. We are joined right now by Trace Cross... Wow, I can't even say your name. Chase Crosshaw of the Bolts Broadcast. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, but Chase covers the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Hockey Podcast Network. How are you doing today, Chase? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Obviously, a big year for the Tampa Bay Lightning going for the three-peat, which we will get to in a couple minutes. But before we get into any of that... I do want to ask you, back-to-back Stanley Cups, both years, the only two years that you've covered them with the Bolts broadcast, have you gotten to them and told them that this is not a coincidence yet? Oh, trust me, we have tried. We, we've we sent out a couple tweets, you know, we've, we've sent a couple emails saying, I mean, 
we're, we're two for two right now. I think we should, we should work something out here, but uh, no response quite yet. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure if they get the third one here, they're going to have to say something. Right? That's what I'm thinking. So when you talk about those back-to-back Stanley Cups and when you think back, what is a moment that stands out to you as your favorite? I know there's a lot of moments that have happened in the past two postseasons and regular seasons as well, but what is one that, if you had to pick one, which one stands out to you? I mean, really, you know, cup run number one, it has to be Steven Samkos, you know, his lone goal in, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, you know, if, if anyone was following along, and in, in case they don't remember, Steven Samkos was not able to really play throughout the playoffs. He played in one game in the finals, you know, played a couple shifts. That's about about it. And scored an absolutely electric goal. Um, you know, that is really what I think propelled them over Dallas in that series. There was that points kind of leading up to that where they were kind of struggling, you know, maintaining with Dallas. Wasn't, they weren't really putting themselves over the top. Then the second that goal happened, it was just all Tampa the rest of the series. So that has to be my favorite moment. Uh, you know, just be able to see him kind of come into that clutch moment like that. It was just fantastic. And honestly, if you look at, I, I wrote down four just off the top of my head as well. When I was looking, I was like, well, I don't know what he's going to say, but you have that five overtime game that really started this entire run by Braden Point against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yanni Gord scoring in game seven of the Eastern Conference final, or well, the Stanley Cup semifinals, I guess you can call them. Ross Colton's goal of, of all people to score the game winning goal in the Stanley Cup finals. But it, it has been a crazy couple of years if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan with several moments similar to the one that you mentioned with Steven Stamkos. I mean, that is one, though, that it kind of goes above hockey when you talk about only being able to play a couple shifts and making that type of an impact. So, I love your decision there. I love your choice making there. And when you look at some of the moments from the back-to-back run, a lot of them revolved around that third line. And and boy, that line of Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, Barkley Goodrow, it was the epitome of what great Stanley Cup third lines are. I mean, they're physical. They had timely goals. They were defensively responsible. But obviously, all three now being moved on to different teams. How is Tampa going to make up for the loss there? Yeah, that is not going to be easy at all. It's really going to have to be, you know, coming from guys like Matthew Joseph, uh, Ross Colton taking on a different role, uh, you know, the signings of Corey Perry, Pierre Edward Balamar, those are going to kind of help too. Of course, Pat Maroon's still around. Um, and then looking for a, a young guy, you know, maybe a Boris Kachuk or Taylor Radish, they're going to come up and look to make their debut. It's, it's going to be a kind of by committee type thing. You know, you're not just going to find three guys to re- replace that line and move on. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to, you know, really utilize that whole bottom six in a almost similar type of role where they're just kind of, you know, like they're almost kind of like supplanting each other. So, um, you know, like the, the third line and the fourth line almost need to be the exact same type of players because like that line was just so unique that I don't think you can do anything to replicate it other than getting those players back. No, there were times that John Cooper even threw that line out there to start the game. I mean, he relied on that line a, a lot during that run. And it is going to be hard, especially when you think about the fact that to build that line, they gave up multiple first round picks. So it's not going to be an easy fix, but it, there's a lot of players that it seems like the the Bolts have. Obviously, bringing in Corey Perry is another guy to try to maybe fill in the shoes there in the bottom six. But I think when you also look at, you lost Tyler Johnson, who maybe not as big of an impact on those Stanley Cups as that third line had, but he's been with Tampa since 2012 before leaving for Chicago in the offseason. What does that loss mean to Lightning fans? So he, you know, he is someone that was a definitely a fan favorite. He kind of this, you know, this come up. He was an undrafted player, you know, fought his way to the NHL and has been a pretty productive player. 
but really the last kind of two years, really during the cup run, his play kind of fell off. You know, he was really struggling, not necessarily that top six guy anymore, uh, you know, kind of being paid above what he's actually worth. But in the playoffs, he, you know, he just both the years, he kind of just came out. He, he kind of found his game a little more. He really became a playoff type of performer. Wasn't necessarily out there scoring and doing, you know, like just like braided point level stuff, but he was out there, you know, um, he, he was, he was hitting, he was fighting or not necessarily fighting, but he was blocking shots. He was doing, you know, everything that you like really need to win. And it was a really big piece of that team. So he's someone who was, you know, pretty clearly loved in the Tampa area, loved in the locker room. Uh, it's going to be a tough hole to fill, even though he wasn't necessarily, you know, who he was before on the ice. It's still nonetheless, you know, definitely going to be a tough hole to fill. Now, when you talk about filling holes and trying to replace some of these players that are obviously very important to the team that won back-to-back Stanley Cups, there's a lot of hockey that has been played by the core group of players for Tampa. I mean, two Stanley Cups within one calendar year is enough already, but when you break it down even further, you have how exhausting the bubble playoffs had to be mentally and and draining, then a short offseason, a 56-game shotgun season to get ready for a regular full playoffs. That's a lot of hockey. So... How much of a Stanley Cup hangover are you expecting at the start of this season? I kind of same like last year. Last year, the team started a little bit slower than I was expecting them to. I think it's going to be kind of the same thing. Um, I, I would have to guess probably the first, like, fifth or so of the season. It's it's going to be not really quite where I expected or Tampa fans expect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's going to be, you know, it's a lot of guys still trying to get comfortable in, you know, in their new team, like like the Corey Perrys and Pierre Rebellamars. Uh, the young guys really finding their footing and getting comfortable to the NHL game. Until all that happens, it is going to be kind of rough. I don't think they're going to be a bad team by any means. It's, it's a clearly talented roster, especially when you got Andre Vasilevsky in that. But there's definitely going to be some uh, growing pains to start the year. I think, you know, maybe by time, like, end of November into December rolls around, the team will kind of figure it out and kind of start gelling and rolling. And that's the thing, too. Heading into an 82-game season, they have the time to do that. It was not something they necessarily had the time to do last season with only 56 games in, what, four months that they had to fit all of that in. So now that I feel like it does help that they have a little bit more time to figure it out. They're playing in a pretty difficult division in the central, but what they have going for them is the fact that they're pretty much good in every area. Everybody likes to talk about the high flying Tampa Bay lightning, high scoring. And everybody also likes to talk about while Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in hockey, which I have a hard time arguing with. But last year, if you look at it, Tampa Bay finished in the top 10 in shots allowed per game penalty kill percentage, and goals allowed per game as well. How much of that is due to Vasilevsky being the greatest in the game, and how much is it due to that great defense core that I feel like gets under underappreciated across the league? Oh, they're definitely underappreciated, and it really is a little bit of both. You can't have one without the other. Vasilevsky, with really any decor in front of him, would still be a very good goaltender, but his numbers and his production would be nowhere near where it currently is. But when you have you know guys like Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev, uh, Ryan McDonough, Yan Ruda's really come out, Eric Chernock, you know, those five guys are really the main Tampa Bay defensemen. They are probably, honestly, in my opinion, maybe the most cohesive group of D in the league. Uh, so they combine with Andre Vasilevsky to just create this kind of shutdown team, but it doesn't really get enough credit being a shutdown team. You know, you, you see the Islanders, they're more of a shutdown type team in people's eyes. And just because Tampa is able to score so much and Kucherov and Point and Stamkos are able to dominate, they don't think it's that type of team, but they really do everything. There's no hole in their game. Uh, they're strong offensively, they're strong defensively, and I definitely agree that that D group does not get enough credit. I mean, you looked last postseason, and NBC finally started talking about how good Ryan McDonough was during that entire run, and it makes you really step back and take a look at their numbers and say, wow. I mean, realizing that 
They won game seven against the Islanders, one to nothing. They won game five against the Canadians, one to nothing. And yes, Andre Vasilevsky is probably the best goaltender in the league. I have to agree with Nikita Kucherov, Bud Lights and all, that, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky is fantastic. But that defense as well, if you look at, I mean, they're behemoths, but their numbers, they speak for themselves, and I think you put it perfectly. There's no real big hole when it comes to Tampa Bay. Obviously, we talked about the third line. That's going to be something they're going to fill. But if it's what we've seen from Tampa Bay the last decade, it's going to be some random guy that's going to show up, and he's going to fill that hole perfectly. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. That's why I really think, like, you know, Boris Kachuk, for example, is going to be, like, not necessarily um, some offensive wizard, but he's going to do kind of what Coleman and and, uh, Gord and Gaudreau were doing, just kind of wear you down, be able to, you know, maybe he can score 20, 30 points this year as a rookie, but he's going to kind of wear you down, you know, play smart defensively uh, and just kind of do the right things you want. And I think he's going to look, you know, of all the rookies that are going to be on the team, there's probably going to be, you know, at at least two or three. He's probably going to be the one that looks most like the pro to me. Uh, It's going to be not necessarily a sexy game, you know, as I said, but he's definitely going to be an extremely effective player. So, uh, you know, I, I look very forward to seeing that happening. Now, there's a lot that we've talked about with depth and third lines and that, but we have to talk about the top end. We, ha- we have to talk about that top end there. And to me, the question that I wanted to ask you, because both of these players are extremely talented. One player has been in the headlines for a lot longer than the other, but who is more integral to the Lightning this season? Is it Braden Point or is it Steven Stamkos? It, it has to be Braden Point on the ice at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Steven Samkos, he's the leader of this team for sure. He's uh, definitely, you know, he's the captain. He, he's the voice. But at the end of the day, if Braden Point weren't on the team, uh, I, I don't know how far this Tampa Bay Lightning team could get. He just does so much. He's an incredible offensive weapon. He's strong defensively. He you know, just is an incredible skater. He he really doesn't have a flaw in his game. And I think he is, I think he's getting more credit finally. But the last couple of years, he has been a definitely underrated player. While Samkos, his game, I don't want to say it's dropping off, but it's also not at the level that it was when he was in his prime. He's definitely slowing down a little bit. Still an incredibly effective player. But I think if you take brain point out of this lineup, it makes a bigger hole than Steven Samkos. Yeah, if you look at their numbers last season, Braden Point had 48 points in, in 56 games. And Stamkos, while he didn't play the full season, he still had 34 and 38. So they're pretty comparable when it comes to points per game. But then you look at the postseason, Braden Point had 33 points in 2020, 23 points in 2021. And Stamkos, as you mentioned earlier, only able to play one game due to injury in 2020. But in 2021... Still 18 points in 23 games played. To me, if you look at these guys, it's important that you have both of them because they're both really, really talented. I'm somebody who I feel like disrespected, and if you ask State of Hoppy from the Soda Pod, I very much disrespected Braden Point because I, w- I would refuse to call him a superstar. I refuse to say that he was that good. And obviously, that was prior to the 2020 bubble playoffs. And then I watched that, and that's really where Braden Point started to grab headlines. But this is the last year before Point's contract extension kicks in. He's only going to be making $6.75 million against the cap. Is there a worry in Tampa that after this year, when Point gets that pay raise, that they're going to be able to keep Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov? I mean, it, it, it's definitely a worry. It's just flat out not going to be possible at the end of the day. In order to make that happen, you're going to have to dismantle so much of the roster. So somebody's got to go. And I hate to say it, but everything makes sense for it to be Steven Samkos. You know, I, I know he's leader. He's been our you know, first overall pick, our, our face of the franchise for so many years, but at the end of the day, you can still get a good return for him. He's still a good enough player. 
and if you move on from him, you're not going to completely dismantle your chances at winning cups going forward. Whereas if you move on from Brain Point, you know, you might get another year or two of Steven Samkos, and then you got to go through a rebuild process that Tampa went through. I mean, for really the last 10, 15 years prior to building up this team. So it's, you know, it, it, it really sucks. That that's the best way to put it. It, it sucks that that might be the reality, but Stamkos really might be on the way out here soon. And the other name that we mentioned there was Nikita Kucherov, which clearly he's not the guy. I mean, we all know that's not even that's not even a joke you make because you look at the last two regular seasons that Kucherov did play in as it was highly covered that he didn't play in last year's regular season. A lot of people are upset about that. Oh, well, get over it. But two, <laughs> two years ago, he had 128 points in 82 games played. Obviously, everybody knew of that season because it was record-breaking, record-shattering in 2018-19. The year after that, he still put up 85 points in only 65 games. So it's not like he fell off a cliff at any point. Yet his name got taken out of the headlines a little bit because he missed all of last season. So how big of an impact is going to hopefully, knock on wood, having Nikita Kucherov for a full season be coming into this year? It, it, it makes all the difference in the world. He is by far the best player on this roster, even though mm-hmm. Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the world. And I think there's no more important player than Nikita Kucherov. Uh, just what he does. I mean, it, it, it's silly. It, it's it's kind of like, it's not necessarily watching the level of what Connor McDavid does. You know, you watch Connor McDavid, it looks like he's playing against preschoolers, mm-hmm. but Kucherov, it's more like he's playing against, you know, like middle schoolers. Uh, he, he still just <laughs> makes everyone look so much worse around him. He, he's just a ridiculous talent. And, Really, it doesn't matter what what situation is he's in. It's I mean, really any offensive situation, I should say. He's gonna mm-hmm. find a way to score. He's gonna find a way to generate offense, whether it be you know even strength. If if he's out there at the end of the game, they're trying to tie up the game. If it's power play, whatever the hell's going on, it doesn't matter. Nikita Kucherov is the guy that every single team in the NHL would want to trust. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot was also said about Kucherov's post game press conference. Were you a fan of it, or do you think he should have laid off a little bit? Ah, awesome. there we go. <laughs> I'm in the same camp. I, I loved every second of it. I know a lot of people said, oh, you know, that's it's distasteful. I thought it was one of the best things I saw all of last postseason. We need we need more of that. We need more drunk Kucherov in our lives. I agree. And all, all they did was crap on him throughout the playoffs. Like, oh, they're, they're cheating 18 million over the cap. Oh, oh my God, they're, they're cheating. He shouldn't be allowed to play. And you know what? We won. He deserves to celebrate and deserves to shout in your face. And also, what do you expect? You have a guy that just won the Stanley Cup is probably at least 10 drinks in. And you're like, yeah, let's put him in front of a camera. That's a great idea. Yeah, at, at least 10 drinks. And I, I would not be surprised if it was double or triple, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see what happens whenever they go, they go up to Montreal. Are you expecting that to become a big rivalry now? Obviously, in division against a team that you just played in the Stanley Cup Finals. And you see all the comments from Nikita Kucherov and some clap back from the Montreal Canadiens. Are you excited for that matchup? Or do you think it's just going to die down by that point? I honestly don't know. I, I I really hope that the juices are still flowing because it's just going to create a more exciting game. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the NHL really nowadays, the rivalries are they're almost kind of dwindling a little bit. You know, there's still mm-hmm. physical game stuff, but um, just like forming new rivalries really does not happen too often. So I don't know how likely it is to happen that it does or like how likely it is to happen. Excuse me. Um, but I, I really hope that it does because, I mean, if we can get a little more intensity in, the, in those pre- regular season games, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, especially when you talk about that Atlantic division, because it feels like not a lot of people like Toronto, but on the ice, Toronto doesn't really get into a lot of really rivalry scuffles and stuff like that. Obviously, when you're looking at rivalries this year, Washington, New York is going to be the main one to watch, but I'm excited to see the Habs and the Lightning go at it and see if there's any clapback from any of those comments or if it's just been too long. 
Yeah, there's there's bound to be something. Um, you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to carry over season long, but game one, yeah, there, there'll probably be something. There, there might be, uh, you know, a, a tilt or two, but I can't really imagine it's just some, you know, season long or career long type of feud. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at the Eastern Conference this year, it's a murderer's row. I think both the Metropolitan Division and the Atlantic Division look very solid, especially the top five teams in each division. Who do you think is the biggest threat? to Tampa Bay right now to take away that crown heading into 2022. I really like the Carolina Hurricanes this upcoming mm-hmm. year. I, I, I love that roster last year and, you know, goaltending was a little bit of a concern uh, going into the season. Obviously they kind of got together as a trio and played pretty well, but now that all, I mean, pretty much like the, like the main two are gone, like Nato Jokovic is gone. Um, uh, is, actually, Morazic's still there, but re- regardless, regardless. Um, mm-hmm. So Freddie Anderson comes into it. It's going to be kind of a one, a one B situation, probably better, you know, goaltending as a whole, the team just kind of matured another year, taking a step forward. Spetchikov just got paid. He's going to be looking to produce. Uh, I, I really like this Carolina Hurricanes team and they are definitely my biggest threat in the East. Yeah. You look at a team like that and it confuses me why they overhauled because they did get rid of Morazic. It was weird. They got rid of all three of the goalies they had and they brought in anti Ranta to back up Freddie Anderson. As you mentioned, he was brought in. So that's a little strange for me, but I, I definitely agree that Carolina is going to be a tough team. You can't count out New York though. The Islanders, they're always going to, they're always going to be there. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've seen them twice. I mean, really these last two years in the playoffs. So I'm definitely very familiar with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is just such a boring team to watch. Such a painful <laughs> team to watch. Such a slow game, but you are right. They're definitely a team that's going to shut you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do have you know some concern about them too. But at the end of the day, I still think in the modern NHL, you need a little more offense than they provide to really get to that next level. Yeah. Well, they got to that level in the 80s, and there's Dennis Potvin in 1982. That is the third of four Stanley Cups that they're celebrating right there. And right there, that is what the Tampa Bay Lightning of 2022 are going to try to replicate. The last team to three-peat, like I said, 1980-82 to 82 New York Islanders and Dennis Potvin, who's up on the screen. In your opinion, Chase, how much of a chance did the Lightning have of recreating that picture right there and three-peating here in 2021-22. Man, uh, I mean, Patrick Maroon's on the roster. That's, that's really all you need, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, 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 I don't want to say it's impossible because it's definitely not impossible. It's definitely a, a talented enough roster. But to mm-hmm. do that in the modern-day NHL, there's a reason it's been you know 40-plus years since it's happened because it's such a hard feat to accomplish. I really want to say that there's a good chance. Um I'm, you know, I'm more confident in this Tampa team than any other team to win the cup this year coming up. But at the end of the day, you know, so much goes on, so much changes during the season. Injuries happen, trades happen, uh, teams come out of nowhere. So it's really hard to put too much stock into it. I I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, if any team were to do it from anything that we've seen the last 20 years, it it would be this Tampa team. Yeah, we've seen four teams since that picture I just had up happened attempt to get that third Stanley Cup. In 1986, it was the Gretzky Oilers. 1993, it was the Lemieux Penguins. 99, it was the Iserman Red Wings. And in 2018, it was the Sidney Crosby Penguins. So can the Stamkos Lightning of 2022 do it? That remains to be seen. I still think that they have a really good shot, as as good a shot as any of those four teams had. I don't think there's any chance that they're, they have a less lesser of a chance, I guess is the way I'm trying to say that, than those teams. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. You expect a Stanley Cup hangover. I feel like everybody should expect a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover after back-to-back, let alone the the crazy schedule that they had, especially dealing with COVID as well. But thank you so much, Chase, for joining the show. Let all of our listeners know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up for you on the Bolts broadcast. 
Yeah, you know, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for this show to actually drop for you to actually get started rolling. Uh, it's starting to come up here pretty soon. So best of luck yep. to you going forward. Uh, if, if you want to check us out at the Bolts Broadcast on Twitter, it's at Bolts Broadcast. Uh, you know, we, we cover the Tampa Lightning, of course. We do some other stuff, too. You know, this offseason, there's been a lot of random kind of uh, topics and doing random drafts, like drafting our favorite NHL soundtracks, that, that type of stuff. <laughs> um, so if you want to go check us out there, you know, that'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chawdust. That's at Chawdust. Um, you know, I... I don't tweet anything too exciting normally, but if you want to give me a follow, anyway, you might as well. Sounds good. Once again, thank you so much for joining, Chase. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to everybody that has tuned in so far to Season 1, Episode 1, our series premiere of the Hockey Hotbed. And a thank you goes out as well to Chase Croshaw for joining the show and being the very first guest ever here on the Hockey Hotbed. But we're going to finish off this episode, our inaugural episode with our inaugural Power Rankings, our Power Rankings 1.0, if you will, for the preseason of the 2021-22 NHL season. So let's get it started. Number 10. We have the Boston Bruins, a team that has not changed too much since last offseason, but the big question here is their goaltending. That's why I could put them higher on this list, I think. I could also put them lower on this list because it's a big question mark. When you look at their goaltending, Tuka Rask, currently not even under contract with the Boston Bruins, is coming off of offseason surgery. They're not sure when he's going to be available for them. We do know for a fact that he will play for the Boston Bruins whenever he recovers from that surgery. But the question is, when is that? Is it not till January? Is it not till February? Is it longer? Is it even shorter, maybe? But as of right now, the Boston Bruins look like they have Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman lined up to be the goaltenders for them. And that's not an awful option. Uh, it could be a lot worse for the Boston Bruins, especially considering how good their forward core is. I mean, obviously, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, that's a fantastic line anyway. You split it. It's going to be one of the top lines in the NHL every single time it goes out there. But being able to re-sign Taylor Hall to a favorable team contract, being able to get Nick Foligno on board, also bringing in Eric Halla, I thought was a really good move for the Boston Bruins. This is a team that, in a difficult division is going to be able to make some noise if their goaltending and defense holds up. And as of right now, I have them at number 10. Again, they could go up, they could go down. We'll see. Number nine. Number nine, I'm moving over to Western Canada and taking the Edmonton Oilers. And I get it, I get it, it's Edmonton. We should not put stock into the Edmonton Oilers considering what we have seen from them over the past couple of seasons. And also adding Duncan Keith in the offseason doesn't instill much confidence in me. But the reason I have them here is still because they have two of the best players on the planet right now. You have Connor McDavid, who is, in my mind, the best player in the world. I'm pretty sure what we saw him do last season just kind of leads to that fact. And then you also have Leon Dreisaitl, former Hart winner, former Art Ross Trophy winner, almost two seasons removed, exactly two seasons removed from that as of right now. Those two guys match with the fact that they're playing in one of the weakest divisions, if not 
the weakest division in hockey coming up this year. They should come in second place in that division. If they come in any other position lower than second, it's going to be a disappointment. At least I'll be disappointed in the effort by the Edmonton Oilers. So I have them at number nine. That's tentative on the fact that they're able to perform in a division that should be the weakest in the league. Number eight. I'm going to keep it in Canada with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Luckily, this isn't a postseason power rankings. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be thought of because, once again, last season, the Toronto Maple Leafs absolutely embarrassed in the first round by the Montreal Canadiens, giving up a 3-1 to series lead. But you look at Toronto, they still have young stars. Austin Matthews is going to be a perennial Rocket Richard winner probably for the next 10 years. You have Nylander, you have... John Tavares, the big question mark now is who's behind Jack Campbell? Can Jack Campbell actually take the reins now that Freddie Anderson is gone? I think he will be able to. I think he's shown enough to be able to. And I think Toronto has shown enough that they're going to be a really good regular season team. As I mentioned with Boston, they're going to be in a tough division this year. You have the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. You have Florida coming on strong. Boston is difficult. And you have Ottawa, who's playing a little bit better. So Toronto, they have their work cut out for them but I still think they're going to be able to make some noise in the regular season. Number seven. Number seven, we're staying in that division, but going down south to the Florida Panthers, a team that is very much on the rise in everybody's eyes. They had a really good season last year. Unfortunately, they were taken out in the first round of the playoffs by the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning and what is hopefully the first of what will be a long rivalry here for Tampa and Florida. In the offseason, of course, getting Sam Bennett to re-sign there, bringing in Sam Reinhart. Let's see what he can do outside of Buffalo. I think the Florida Panthers did a really good job in supplementing the skill and the talent that they have there, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in net. As with a lot of these teams, you look at Florida, obviously they have Sergei Bobrovsky forever and ever, amen. They lose Chris Drieger to the Seattle in the expansion draft. But now let's see what Spencer Knight can do. This might be the first time we get to see Spencer Knight play a lot of hockey for the Florida Panthers. And I'm, for one, am very excited to see it. Number six. This is the one that might get a lot of people talking or might get a lot of people hating me right out of the bat. But I have the Winnipeg Jets as number six in my power rankings. I think the Jets last postseason showed they are a very, very good team when they want to be. Obviously, the offense has always been there with Mark Shifley, with Blake Wheeler, with Nikolai Ehlers. Those guys know how to score. The question was, can they keep the puck out of their own net? And luckily for them, they have one of the best goaltenders in hockey in Connor Hellybuck, and that continues to this day. But they did also get some help. P.L. Dubois, in a full season there, I think will be a lot better than he was last season. He didn't really get a chance to get his feet underneath him once that trade happened from Columbus to Winnipeg. And then you also add on guys like Brendan Dillon, who they brought in in the offseason, Nate Schmidt on the back end. They bolstered their blue line, and I think that's really going to help Winnipeg in a sneaky good division in the Central. But I think the Jets are in a position where they're going to be able to make a lot of noise in the Central division. If you look at the way that they have finished in the past four seasons, three of them, they've been knocked out by a team that made it the whole way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So Winnipeg has been there and has been losing to good quality opponents in the postseason. I think that carries over to this season. Number five. The bunch of jerks themselves, the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, this is, I'm a little unsteady here. I like Carolina. 
I think they have a very, very solid team, a very deep team. The question is going to be two things. One, can they make up for the absence of Dougie Hamilton, who left during free agency? That is a lot of minutes to fill for the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, they did bring in Ethan Bear, and I think he's going to be very good for them. I think he plays a really interesting style of hockey for the Carolina Hurricanes, and I think it's going to mesh extremely well. But the other question being goaltending. A lot of this list deals with goaltending, and if you don't know me, you know that goaltending is how I think of a lot of hockey, and that's how a lot of people think of hockey, really. What teams are good, what teams are bad, it depends on how their goaltending is. And Carolina completely overhauling their goaltending dressing room was interesting. Three guys out, including Alex Nedeljkovic, who was on pace to finish as a Rookie of the Year candidate. He finished, I believe, in third in Calder voting last year. And bringing in a guy like Freddie Anderson and bringing in a backup in Antioranta. I think it's interesting that we're going to see Carolina take a risk on these guys. Anderson has never done it in the playoffs. But we don't have to worry about the playoffs right now. Let's see what Carolina can do in a really difficult division in the Metropolitan Division. And with that, let's move on to number four, because that's another Metro team. Number four. I'm done disrespecting the New York Islanders. I've disrespected the Islanders, at least the Barry Trotz Islanders, since he arrived there. I didn't think they were that good. I thought losing John Tavares was going to make them a bottom feeder. And I was completely wrong. The New York Islanders have made the playoffs every year since. They've beaten my Pittsburgh Penguins twice, including last postseason. And they've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row. Now, as far as regular season performances are concerned, the New York Islanders have a tough time doing it over time. They are very inconsistent during the regular season. But they always find a way to get to the postseason. And when they do, they make a lot of noise. Now they're bringing back the basically the exact same team that went seven games with the Tampa Bay Lightning last postseason, minus the fact that Lou Lamorello has about six or seven contracts stuffed away in his bottom desk drawer. So we'll have to obviously wait to see when all of that gets unleashed. But this Islanders team is going to look like basically the same team that we saw last season. And that was a very good hockey team. So I have a hard time taking them lower than number four on this list. Number three. Number three, the Vegas Golden Knights in their fifth season of being an actual NHL team. A big move. Moving on from Marc-Andre Fleury, their first ever real superstar in Vegas. And they're getting everything and putting everything on Robin Leonard. We'll see how Leonard is able to respond. He's been very, very good the last couple of seasons. I expect that to continue for the Vegas Golden Knights. But we'll see how that all works out. Now, when it comes to Vegas's other offseason moves, there wasn't really much to be thought of. They were in that big three-team trade that brought them Nolan Patrick. That could either make them look really, really good or just look like a nothing move. It's a very low-risk move for the Vegas Golden Knights because Nolan Patrick, a second overall selection a couple of years ago from the Philadelphia Flyers, if he pays off, if he can stay healthy and perform to the ability that we expect him to perform with when he entered the NHL draft, Vegas is going to look like a genius here. They're still going to be the class of the Pacific Division because as I mentioned when I was talking about Edmonton, that division is pretty weak. It's going to open the door for the Seattle Kraken to possibly make a playoff spot. Maybe Vancouver can turn it around enough to make a playoff spot. Calgary as well, but realistically, there's only one leader when it comes to looking at the Pacific Division as of right now, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. Number two. I'm going with the Colorado Avalanche, and again, Tentative on the goalie situation in Colorado. 
you lose Philip Grubauer, who was a Vezina finalist last year, and that is going to hurt regardless. But the fact that they were able to bring in Darcy Kemper is encouraging. Kemper was a very good goaltender on a very bad Arizona Coyotes team. He was basically the reason the Coyotes had any chance a couple of years ago in the bubble in Edmonton, and now he's playing for the Colorado Avalanche. We'll see what he can do on an actually really good team. I feel bad for Arizona because I feel like I'm always crapping on them, but realistically, they just didn't have the pieces. Colorado does. So let's see what Darcy Kemper can do with the likes of Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabe Landeskog, who's back once again. Other than that, they haven't lost too much. Brandon Saad left in free agency for St. Louis, and they lost Jonas Donskoy to the Seattle Kraken. But other than that, if you add Alex Newhook taking a bigger role, you don't really have much steps taken back by the Colorado Avalanche. And that's why I have them at number two. Number one. Number one to finish it off is the Tampa Bay Lightning. How can you not put the back-to-back -back defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning as number one on your preseason power rankings list. I get they lost a lot, and we talked about it with Chase. You lose that entire third line, it's not going to help. But you still have the best goaltender in hockey in Andre Vasilevsky. You have one of the best defense cores in all of hockey. And then you have forwards like Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Anthony Sorelli leading the charge on your forward core. This team is still extremely good. The East is going to be... Kind of a death row for all teams involved this year. And Tampa is going to be leading that charge for that entire conference. So I have Tampa Bay at number one. And there it is. The total 2021-22 Power Rankings 1.0 for the Hockey Hotbed. We have Edmonton at number... Wow, that is actually incorrect. I apologize. Boston is at number 10. Edmonton number 9. Toronto is at number 8. Florida, number seven, Winnipeg at six. And then in the top five, I have the bunch of jerk Carolina Hurricanes at number five. The Islanders at number four, Vegas at three, Colorado at two, and the Tampa Bay Lightning at number one in the inaugural power rankings. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. I appreciate you guys tuning in to season one, episode one, our series premiere we hope this is just the beginning of what is a very long run here on the Hockey Hotbed. But that is going to be it for everybody. We'll see you guys on Friday. Have a good one.